there. Welcome to the Moms of Truth podcast. My name is Alicia Gregg and I'm your host. This is our first episode of 2021. I had taken a holiday break and man, does it feel good to be back on the mic. I am so glad to be um, back and reconnecting with you every single week. So today, being that this is the first episode of 2021, I really want to kick off by talking about some things that hinder our faith. Last year it was just a roller coaster, and I don't know about you, but I found myself clinging to God and His Word more than ever before. And I don't know what this year is going to hold, but I do know that I need and want to go into this year with strong faith. And I want that for my children as well. But there is this little thing called doubt that often gets in the way and starts distracting us from the truth of who God is and what he has promised. In the book of James chapter one, he describes doubt like this, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Isn't that description so accurate? When I'm filled with doubt, I'm not secure in anything, confident in nothing. And I get tossed around just not knowing what to do, looking here and there and finding so many voices of influences just pulling me in all different directions. Even my own thoughts are wrestling with one another. I'm anything but calm. I'm stressed, worried, desperate for a solution, anxious. And James finishes verse 8 with saying, such a person is unstable in all they do. This is not how I want me and my family to start the new year. And I'm certain that you don't want that for your family either. So today, let's uncover and bring into the light doubt. We're going to be walking through just a portion of David's story. We'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and it's titled David and Goliath. This has always been one of my favorite stories. Reading through it, I've always wondered, how could David, a shepherd boy, the youngest in his family, untrained in warfare, be so brave and bold to face such a champion. The Bible goes into great detail about Goliath's size, his armor, weapons, his experience, being a warrior from his youth. No trained soldier in the Israelite army had the nerve to go up against him, not even their king, Saul, because anyone who did was ultimately facing death. The threat and reality of death was the real opponent in this situation, voicing itself through this giant champion warrior from Gath. So Israelites' armies ran and hid. So here comes David. He's bringing grain and bread and cheese to his brothers, And he then finds himself volunteering to go up against this giant champion. How could he do such a thing? This question brought me to really focus in on the dialect of the story. And I want to share with you the faith-filled character traits that I've noticed about David and also the different ways that doubt has shown up to work in my life. So let's pray and then we're going to jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, which is true and full of great wisdom. 
I thank you for the opportunity to hold it in my hands and study. Father, to be able to seek you in it and hear from you is such a wonderful thing. Father, would you teach us today the truth that we need? And would you reveal to us how we can grow and guide our children in the things that you have made known to us? Thank you, Father, for this time to draw near to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Three ways that doubt has shown up in my life, and then I'm going to read through David's story and tie it all together. One, minimize. We make something seem small and insignificant, like it's not a big deal, or we make it less serious to get ourselves out of doing it. When I'm in a place of doubt, minimizing the thing I'm facing or that God is asking me to do makes it seem permissible to ignore it, to pretend like it didn't happen or just flat out negate the responsibility of facing it. I'll say things like, it won't make a difference. It's not a big deal. It's not like it's this or that. Fill in the blank with something greater. Two, rationalize. When I rationalize my behavior, I'm basically coming up with an explanation so it doesn't look as bad. Some examples could be, well, he lied to me. They don't deserve it. I didn't want to anyway. I often hear from my kids, he did it first. And basically, anytime the blame is shifted to someone or something else, putting the responsibility elsewhere. It's a defense mechanism and it can lead to quarreling and pride. Three, justify. This is when we give a valid reason as to why we did or didn't. Basically, excuse making. I'm tired, it's not my job, I don't know how, I have other pressing things to do, and so on. This is probably one that I personally do the most. When I'm in doubt about something, I'll just make an excuse that makes me feel better and justifies me not doing what I should be doing. So I'm going to read through the story of David and Goliath from verse 17 to 37. But as I read it, I want you to look for the opportunities that David had to minimize the situation, to rationalize and justify things. And afterwards, I'll go through and point out the faith traits he did have instead of doing those things. Now, Jesse said to his son, David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the other men of Israel in the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was walking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. 
Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. We will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. He has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So the first thing seen in David is that he was willing. Instead of David minimizing the fact that there was someone threatening the army of Israel, he took it to heart. It was an offense against his God whom he loved and so he was willing. Willing to face not just Goliath himself, but the probable outcome, which was death. John 15 verses 13 and 14 says, Jesus says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. David was fighting for the Lord. He loved the Lord more than he loved his own life, willing to lay it down when going up against this mighty warrior. This question that he asks who is this Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Wasn't something he was necessarily seeking an answer to, but rather it was an outward expression of what he had determined within his own heart that he would face Goliath, that he would be willing to go. The second thing seen in David is that he remained unshaken. In verse 48, David's older brother is attacking his character, David's integrity. He is putting blame on David that simply is untrue. And we know from Matthew 12, 34, that whatever is in your heart determines what you say. 
David's brother was projecting things from his own heart onto his brother, putting things that he may be guilty of onto his brother David. So David could either stay and quarrel with him. He can let the voice of the accuser drag him into a state of rationalization. I have to get back to the sheep anyway. I was only told to bring supplies. Or he can get caught up and defending himself. But he doesn't respond that way because he doesn't have any doubt. He has faith. The third thing seen in David is that he remembers God's faithfulness. In verse 33, King Saul is telling him, you can't go out there. You are a young shepherd boy, and he's a giant experienced warrior. Instead of David justifying, saying, yeah, I'm not a warrior. I tend to sheep. I'm too small. I'm not experienced. I mean, he could have justified himself in any way. And from the outside looking in, I would have agreed with him, but God was calling him. And so instead of making excuses, he fills with confidence as he recalls time after time that God had showed up to help him through what seemed impossible. He fixed his eyes on the Lord who delivers his people. He remembered the faithfulness and power of his God instead of searching for excuses to justify himself walking away from the situation. So I'm going to stop with just these three points for now, but there are more faith-filled behaviors that we can see in David through this story. So I would encourage you to revisit it, 1 Samuel chapter 17. This year, like every year, we are going to have countless opportunities to rationalize, minimize, or justify ourselves out of doing the things that we know we should be doing or what God is calling us to. Doubt is going to find its way into our thoughts and our hearts, but when it does, we have a choice, mamas, to respond with faith, to simply be willing, to remain unshaken, to remember our incredible God and his great faithfulness in our lives. Jeremiah 17, 7, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Our confidence is not found in what we can see, hear, and touch or do on our own. Our confidence is in Christ alone because only he is good and only he sees all, knows all, and only he has all power and authority in heaven and on earth. Mamas, we have to trust God if we want our children to. And this year brings an abundance of opportunities for us to show our children how to trust in the Lord when things look uncertain or impossible, how to recall his greatness when we feel insecure or inadequate, how to stand firm when accusers come against us or try to tear us down. Before I sign off for today, I want to challenge you with this. Read this story to your children and talk about how David responded. Point out his faith to your children. Talk about times that they may have made excuses or shrugged something off as no big deal, knowing 
that they knew they were supposed to do something about it. Be sure to include yourself in that and share times that you've had like that and how you all can be more faithful as a family by trusting in the Lord. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving me a review or sharing it on your social media platforms or even just with a mommy friend that would really benefit from hearing this word. You can find Moms of Truth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And if you have a topic or questions, don't hesitate to connect and ask. I would love to hear from you. Until next week, teach them truth, train them up, and trust God through it all. 